So as Vince mentioned during our announcement section of the service, you know, we talk about our vision statement, our mission statement here at Vineyard Rolla is to be a people who follow Jesus everywhere. We talk about it every single week and we try not to make those words repetitive. We try to uh, make that a little bit fresh and use examples because, but every single week we talk about it because we, we think it's worth reminding ourselves over and over and over again what the point of this thing really is. What are we trying to accomplish? What does it mean to be church? Why are we here? To be a people who follow Jesus everywhere. That's the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of this church. Now, church is such a weird thing, isn't it? I mean, really, if we're being honest here, I, I was talking to a dear friend about this this week, about how different, different we really are. Like all, all of us in this room, if you look around, there are people that under, under different circumstances, like if you just, if they were a work associate or if your kids played soccer together or whatever, like, I mean, you guys are all pretty nice, so I'm sure you would be friendly, but I don't know if those of us that are, you know, very differently wired would, would hit it off. Would we hit it off? Would we be friends in other contexts? Would we get really close? I don't know, we might decide not to hang out. We might decide not to. But church, church is so weird because it's a place where people who are utterly incompatible, according to all the algorithms on the internet or whatever it is that the dating websites, you know, if we filled out dating profiles for one another, we may not, we may not be compatible. But it's a place, the church is a place where people that are different unite around something that transcends all of that. It transcends our personalities, it transcends our preferences, our politics, all of it. Because we unite around something that is bigger than ourselves. Someone bigger than ourselves. So all around the world, no matter, no matter where we are, I can meet someone. Hey, you love Jesus? You love Jesus? Me too. And suddenly strangers are family. Strangers are family. Now, not that that makes it easy, right? That doesn't make it easy because make no mistake about it. Um, humans are humans, no matter what kind of grouping they're in, and we are, we are all flawed and broken and weak and wounded and selfish sometimes. It was funny, before, before I was on staff here at the church, this was many years ago, my, my job before I had the job at the church, I worked as a, a customer service manager and a cashier overnight at Walmart. So that's a tough job anyway, but overnight is something special. Let me tell you, but, um, but after, I, after I left that job, not long after I had left that job, I ran into one of my former coworkers, and she was a, a, a Christian woman, and she said, oh, it must be so great to work at a church, you know, because everybody you're around all the time, they're all Christians, and so everybody's probably all, always nice to each other, right? Okay, don't get me wrong. It is really nice to work at a church, and, and I love you guys, but everybody is not always nice. 
not always nice. Christians get up to just as much nonsense as anybody else who's trying to figure out how to live in relationship with each other. (sighs) But the advantage that we have as the church in trying to figure out how how to live and how to be in relationship with each other, the advantage we have is that we have a guide. We have a leader and a teacher in the person of Jesus And he gives us the blueprint for what a human life fully surrendered to God and fully transformed by God can look like. That's what being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, that's what that means. We're being transformed into his likeness. We talked about this a little bit last week with our Easter sermon. Romans chapter 6, 4, and 5, I'll just read through real quick. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, here's the key, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. A new life, a life like his. That's what it means to be a disciple. But we all know, I think we all know, that spiritual formation, which is the term for that process of being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, that is a process. Process is a loaded word. While many of us, many of us in this room have moments that we could point back to and we could say, then... That was the moment that I became a Christian. Not everybody has that moment. For many of us, it's like this gradual easing into spirituality. And no matter which one you are, I'm pretty sure that all of us would freely admit that there are still lots of ways that we want to be transformed, that we need to be transformed by the power of Jesus' love. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter which one you are. It doesn't matter where you're at on the path, on the journey. doesn't matter what you need. The call is the same. Jesus is inviting all of us, come and follow me. And this is our new sermon series that we're starting today. We're going to talk about Jesus I don't, I don't know how long this series is going to go. We might still be doing this five years from now because there's a lot there. I don't know. But we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about where he did or where he went, um, what he did, who he went with, who, who he did things with, how he did things. We're going to talk about all the stories, all the miracles, all the challenges, all the suffering. We're going to talk about everything that has to do with Jesus. And we're going to do that slowly and with much reflection. As long as we want to camp out here, this is a good space to be in. Because if we're going to be a people who follow Jesus everywhere, we're going to have to make sure that we really, really know what that means and what it looks like. What does that mean and what does it look like to follow Jesus everywhere? 
But I think today, before we start, we have to have a little bit of a heart-to-heart here. Because here's, and I'm saying this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but Jesus Christ is a pretty familiar character in Christianity. Would, would we all agree to that? He's pretty familiar. Pretty familiar. So here's what can happen. Here's the danger. We think we already know. We are so familiar with him. We're familiar with the imagery of him. And we're familiar with the stories about him. If I were to do a call and answer, I could, you know, Jesus walked on water. I am the bread of life. Whether you attend church regularly or not, there is so much about the person of Jesus that is just so familiar. So part of that is because of the humanity that is so important to his um, kind of arm of the Trinity. But its humanity has made him accessible, but in, in some ways it it's made him ordinary and commonplace. And if you couple that with what is our very real tendency to make God in our own image, to assume that he likes all the people we like, that he hates all the people we hate, that he has the same theology that we do, that he has the same politics that we do, We assume those things about God. That's easy to do. But you put those two things together, the familiarity and our tendency in that direction, we think we already know. But the truth is that the person of God expressed in the incarnational figure of Jesus is more wild and wonderful and mysterious than any of us can imagine. He is more than we think we already know. He is always more. I was so thankful yesterday as I was kind of polishing this up. um, Ann Lehman shared this quote on Facebook, and I stuck it in here because I think it just expresses so perfectly what I'm trying to convey and, and some people are, are better at words than I am. So this is from Graham Cook's book called Prophetic Wisdom. Graham Cook is an author that I would recommend um, unequivocally. But here's the quote. Theology without experience can never be truth. Truth with a capital T. Notice that because that's important. It can be right. Theology can be right. It can be accurate. However, if it does not release people into personal freedom and transformation, then it is not the truth. It is merely true. The truth sets us free. It unlocks our prison, unshackles our chains, overcomes our oppression, and removes all accusations of the enemy. The book, the Bible... It points to the one. Scripture is true 
because Jesus is the truth. The truth is a person, not a bound volume. Knowing Jesus by experiencing an encounter will set us free to become like him. Any other form of knowing is just a memory verse. No matter what we think we know about Jesus, no matter how long we may have been acquainted with him, we are always, always on the brink of a fresh encounter and a fresh experience. And it is our prayer as we embark on this sermon series that our attention to his life and his love and his activities, our attention to Jesus' life would facilitate a fresh encounter for you. But in order for that to happen, I have to ask you, I have to request that you will hold with open hands the things that you think you already know about Jesus and who he is. Open hands. Open your ears, open your heart, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the invitation that Jesus has to you personally at this time in your life. The ways in which he is personally inviting you to follow him. With the rest of our time together today, I want to look at two specific invitations that Jesus extended while he was here on earth, two passages of scripture. I'm going to start with what for some of you may be a familiar passage in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to start, but a couple of things before I read that. Remember that Jesus and his followers um, were Jewish men. You guys know that, right? You know that Jesus wasn't white. You know he didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. He wasn't from Sweden. He's a Middle Eastern Jewish man. So he probably had dark hair, brown eyes, dark olive skin, Middle Eastern Jewish man. But anyway, Jewish. Jewish culture is my point. In Jewish culture, it was common for rabbis or teachers to have a group of students or disciples that would kind of follow them around and they would learn from them, they would emulate them, emulate the teacher and, and try to um, change themselves into a pattern of each rabbi had his own school of thought and a way of practicing religious life under the umbrella of, of Judaism and so the, the students would try to become like the rabbi. So that's a foreign idea here in our context that you would, you know, have that kind of a situation. But it wasn't, wasn't unique to Jesus and his disciples in that day that 12 guys would be following around a teacher and trying to learn from him. But I tell you that because there, there's this, con- this concept that the first time I heard it, I thought it was just amazing. It's this beautiful concept. And sometimes translation's a little bit hard, but the gist of it is, the saying is that the goal of a disciple, the goal of a student following around a rabbi is to become covered in the dust of your rabbi. 
become covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the picture here is that as they were walking around on these dirt roads, the disciple would be so close to the teacher that as the teacher stepped and stirred up dust from the road, that dust would collect all over the student because that's how closely they were following. I want to be that close to Jesus. I want to be so step in step with him that I'm covered in the dust that he stirs up. But that's the framework here. The disciples have been following Jesus for a while. They've been learning to minister like he did. He's taught them how to pray for people, you know, all those, you know, mundane things that they did every day, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, Um, cast out demons and raise the dead, you know, that stuff that we do every day. Those things that we're called to do as Christians still today, by the way, but that'll be another sermon in our series. They've been learning to minister like he did. At the beginning of chapter 9, he had sent them out to preach and heal. Together they'd fed the 5,000, and then we come to this conversation he's having. He's, he asks the disciples, who, who do people, you know, the crowd, who do the, who, what's the buzz about me? Who do people say I am? And they talked through a little bit of that. And then Jesus gets a little bit more pointed like he's wont to do. And so, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter, the impulsive one always, he blurts out, well, you're the Messiah. And, and this is where we're picking up the story in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. Well, that sounds great, right? Sign me up for that. Take up a cross. That sounds awesome. Stop and think. Let's practice right now. Stop and think for just a minute how that sounded to the original hearers. What was the imagery that was evoked by that statement? Jesus was not the first person that the Romans crucified. That was a favorite way of executing people, painful and public and meant to make a point. This, this, just this tiny phrase in this small passage is an example where repetition of a story has robbed us of the sensitivity that we need to understand how shocking this statement really was. Just trying to pull it up out of that context and help with imagination. If you're a person that watches um, Game of Thrones and you think about when Daenerys is entering the city of Marine and the streets are lined with hundreds of crosses with slave children on them. Now imagine seeing that. And then imagine someone saying to you, that's the level of self-sacrifice that I want you to embrace as you come after me. That's shocking. That's completely shocking. The message is clear here. Following Jesus is not always easy. 
It's not sunshine and roses on a walk in the park all the time. But Jesus is saying, it is worth it. Now I'm going to read this passage again, and this time I'm going to read it in the message version. I'm going to probably do this a lot, and I don't, you know, I invite all the other speakers to do the same. But I'm going to read things out of different translations. We we um, commonly use the New International Version of the Bible, and and you probably have a favorite that you grew up with or you're familiar with. But sometimes reading something in a different translation can kind of give us that little shock of of helping us engage with the text in a fresh way because our brain just fills in the blanks. It just rolls, and, and we, don't, we don't see what's really on the page. But anyway, I like the message version for reading. There's another great version that's recently out called the passion version. That's a good one, too. Just something to, to pull it up out of Sunday school memorization and freshen it up for us again. Here's Luke 9, 23 through 27, again, but in the message. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything that you want and lose you, the real you? Come with me. Let me lead. Jesus asks us to give up our own ideas about how to live and try it his way. It feels like death sometimes to put aside our own impulses. It's hard. But it's nothing compared to the despair and the destruction that comes from stubbornly clinging to things that aren't good for us. And some of us would say amen to that. Now, religion has done an amazing job of making this invitation to follow Jesus sound like an invitation to something miserable. Deny yourself has been interpreted to mean that you have to forego all pleasures. Just ignore your dreams and your desires. Those things don't matter. Your own health, your well-being, that's not important. Money is to be spent practically. Food is just for sustenance. Sex is for making babies, and that's all it's for. Deny yourself. Never mind that Jesus went to parties. Never mind that people accused him of being a drunk and a glutton. We just won't preach about those passages. That's nonsense. That's complete nonsense. Jesus was a lot of fun. Why do you think he got invited to parties? When you sit down and make a guest list, do you think like, Sister Sally better than you church lady? That's who I want at my party? No. Jesus was invited to parties because he was fun. 
one of my one of my favorite lines in one of my favorite songs by my favorite artist Rich Mullins. Songs called Surely God is with us. He says, "The whores all seem to love him and the drunks propose a toast and they say surely God is with us." And what about this from Matthew 11? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And the picture here is of a team of oxen working together. And, and, and that yoke when Jesus is the one that is yoked with us, is light and easy and it works well. There's nothing, nothing hard about it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Gentle. Easy, light. But wait, does that match up with deny yourself? Does that match up with that other passage? You betcha. Absolutely it does. Because as I said when we started, seems like a long time ago, Jesus is more wild and wonderful and mysterious than we can possibly imagine. Following him will be a fantastic adventure. I promise you. I promise you. And like any other proper adventure, it will have highs and it will have lows. There will be laughter and tears There will be triumph and tragedy. But as you follow the leader, as you learn to approach life his way, as you approach relationships and work and recreation and marriage and parenting and art and creativity and service and, 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 and everything, everywhere, as you approach it his way, as you face suffering, and pain, and brokenness, and challenges as you approach those things his way. I promise you, as with any other proper adventure, you will arrive at the end of life knowing what it means to really live. You will arrive having found out who you really are. And you will have found out what you are really made of. What is in there? The stuff that you are made of is divine stuff. It is strong and it is beautiful and it is divine. You are made in the very image and likeness of God. Listen again to Jesus' invitation in the message version. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So the question today is, do you want to keep company with Jesus? Do you want to walk with him and work with him? Do you want to learn the unforced rhythms of grace? If your answer is yes, I want you to stand with me right now. We're going to pray together. We don't do it this way very often, but I'm going to have you repeat after me. Because I believe there is value in having moments of time that lines in the sand, flags in the ground, boundary stones that we can point to. The one thing that all of us need to remember is that our declaration is never a one-time thing. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. It is a choice that needs to be made over and over and over. So it could be that you've never declared. You could be here today and you would say, I've never declared that I want to say yes to the invitation. And so today can be that day when you say, yes, Jesus, I want to let you lead. Today can be that day. But we all must choose, all of us, day by day, moment by moment, to follow him. So if that's your heart to say yes to that, then I'll have you repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. I want to follow you. Every day, I want to let you lead. I want to learn the rhythms of unforced grace. I know that I am in need. I am in need of transformation. I am in need of the life that only you can give. May I be covered in the dust of you, my teacher. May I live in the light of the love of you, my God. This day and always. Amen.